to Sealing God's People at SealingGodsPeople.org. With your host, Dennis Beard. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but then there are over the ways of death. What is that that seemed right to a man? Well, it has to do with salvation. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, and, and that in the natural sense would seem that if a father had a son, that they would be two separate persons. Because if the father, to be a father, would have to beget. And there, if a son, would have to be begotten of the father. Which would entail two different personages. Two persons. Not one and the self-same person. But yet, when we read the scriptures, we see that the real revelation of Jesus Christ in his essence is God. But there does seem a way that is right to man. It seems right. But the end thereof are the ways of death. But then why would it be written that way? Why would it be very simply just said, well, now there's one God and then God's going to, and it's 66 books and we have to search you out of the book and read. Not one of these things will fail. Search the scriptures in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me, not of us, of me. Why would it be so necessary to search and these truths hidden in the revelation of Christ? As we see in Colossians 2. That for the full understanding of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why would it be hidden? Why would God do that? Because it's only those of a pure heart that seek him that will find him. It's going to separate the righteous from the wicked, the holy from the profane. What are these things that seems right unto a man? This way that seemeth right unto a man, that way is a way of salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, why would God do that? Because we have to purge ourselves on that wheel, making ourselves vessels of honor and not dishonor, meet for the master's use. But what is that way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death? What is it? The way of death? We have every scripture in the word of God that is these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us that we might escape the corruption of the world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature. Not our divine nature, not of the world, but his divine nature. In other words, a transformation. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him because all that is of the world. Well, the world states that the more a man possesses, the greater his life is. But Jesus said a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses, directly opposite of the world. For the, all that is of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, all these things the world lusteth after. And whosoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He said if you love the world, you will certainly die. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve the world. 
that lust and the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. Well, then the flesh, flesh has to be crucified. It has to be literally denied and put under. Paul, even the greatest apostle, one of the greatest apostles, stated, I constantly die daily and putting under my flesh, bringing it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself would become a castaway. Therefore, you'll know them by the fruits. The biggest mistake people make is they hear some lie or some deceitful thing said about someone, and they jump on that. When the Bible said, speak evil of no man. Why? Because let God judge. God will repay. He is, all vengeance is due to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not any individual. Now, there is truth. A man's judge is judge righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? Committing it unto God. Judge not, lest you be judged. For the same judgment that you meet, that you dish it out, that's the same judgment that you're going to be measured with. If you judge, you are to judge righteous judgment, not railing, railing accusations. And if you do, go to that person or an elder at the mouth of two or more witnesses, the biblical way. But the way that seemeth right unto a man is a word that they claim to be the truth, and it seems right to a man. And this doctrine that will be promulgated down from generation to generation, and yet the Shema, as frontless between your eyes, that frontless between your eyes is your forehead. And that truth is the greatest commandment of all. The scribe asked Jesus, what's the first commandment of all? What's the dominant commandment of all? Mark 12, 29. And he said, hear, O Israel, the first commandment of all. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt serve the Lord with all thy heart, soul, and might. And seconds like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law and the prophets. Well, that contained the way right there. That there's only one God. There's only one Lord. But yet, the scriptures, when it says the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou to my right hand, fellow, make thine enemies thy footstool. Psalm 110, verse 1. Jesus in Matthew twenty two forty two, literally states the same thing. The Lord in the days of his flesh spoke the same thing that David did in Psalm 110, verse 1. And he said, what think you of Christ? What is your revelation of Christ? Now, Christ, there seems to be a way that is right in a father and son, a relationship. That seems right to a man. But the end thereof, the way of death. What? A father can't be the son, or can he? That's where we have to search the scriptures. Because we find in Ephesians 4, there's only one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who's a father of us all, above all, and in us all. 
Well, how can that be? Because Jesus, in his question to the Pharisees, Matthew twenty-two forty-two 42, said, What think you of Christ? Whose son is he, little S-O-N? In other words, according to the flesh, we're talking about sonship. Whose son is he? Well, obviously, they say the thing it seems right to a man. Well, he is the son of David, according to the flesh, which that is a true statement. The son of David, he is the son of David, according to the flesh, for Psalm 132.11 states that the Lord has spoken in truth unto David and will not turn from it, that of the fruit of thy body, David, will I, God himself, set upon thy throne, David. And it will be totally fulfilled in the millennial reign when he reigns and rules in the earth and all kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. But that Christ, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. What is that? It's the revelation of Christ. It is the foundation of the church and how you view Christ. If you have it right, you're in Christ and you are righteous. If you have a false Christ or something in lieu of Christ, you have an anti-Christ, something in lieu of the real Christ. And it's very deceptive because it says in Colossians 2, to this full assurance of the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, well, the Father is the administrative office of the one spirit, that mystery of God, that God is a spirit, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that mystery of God is he spirit, the mystery of the Father, he spirit, that's administrative office of the spirit, and that mystery of Christ. Well, Christ is that spirit. But we find that the very next verse says, in whom? In who? In that person of Jesus Christ, the Christ of God, the Messiah, the Christos, that in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's hidden? Yes, and there's different levels that have to be reached in a growth process from newborn babies to little children to young men and to fathers. And each one of these different levels of glory have to be obtained in and through the body of Christ in order to be perfected in a glorious church without spot or blemish when the Lord comes a second time without sin and the salvation, the second advent. Looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But that Christ, he said, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let no man deceive you by any means. And he's talking about the deception there in Colossians 2 will be of the revelation of Christ. Is Christ being taught? And if it is, if that office of Christ is being taught, is it true? Is it a true Christ? Or is it a false Christ or an anti-Christ? It all is founded upon that foundation as we see in Matthew 16. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say, you're John the Baptist. Some say, you're Isaiah, Jeremiah, you're one of the other prophets. 
But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ. Now there's that revelation of Christ. And we're going to see how important that revelation is. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he says, Simon Barjona calls him by his earthly name. There's going to be a name change. Why? Because it's a transformation. That Simon Barjona is now going to be called Peter. A piece of the rock. And that rock is Christ. We find in the Old Testament when they come out of Egypt. That rock followed them and Paul said that rock was Christ. The first time that they were at Massa and Meribah, waters of strife. They were told what we're going to do. We have no water to drink in this wilderness. God spoke to Moses, strike the rock and it's going to give enough water to literally water all and quench all thirst in Israel, in the wilderness. Moses struck that water, rock and water came forth. And they proved them there. But then again, when it rose again for the water, Moses was told to speak to that rock, not strike it. And because he said, how long shall I suffer you? He was frustrated at the murmurings against God. Instead of speaking to the rock, he smote it again. Well, we don't smite that rock again. Jesus died once and once and for all. The next day he should have spoken to it because he did not sanctify the Lord of hosts before the children of Israel. He went up in Nebo and died and could not cross over Jordan and bring the people into the promised land. It had to be Joshua. And that is Joshua as Yeshurun. That is Jesus, the Antitype. So we find that revelation of Christ being there in Matthew 16. And he says, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. That's that way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right. Well, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're, you know, this, this son of man, you're, you're one of the prophets. That seems right. Many people just say Jesus is just a prophet. He's not the son of God. Well, who is the son of God? And why is that so necessary? And understand that the son of God is the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Why is that so important? Because that revelation of Christ, that revelation of Christ is the foundation of the church that is and must be received and obtained by faith in order to be saved. 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Well, or Christ, well, that's civil enough. He's a man. Well, that's what they said that seemeth right unto the Pharisees in Matthew twenty-two forty-two. It seemed right to them. We know 
he's going to be of the seed of David, so he'll be a son of David. And we know that he is of the seed of David according to the flesh. Romans 1 tells us that. But what is this thing about Christ? He said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood had not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. It has to be revealed of God, not man. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee. So all your learning and rightly dividing the word of truth in your seminaries that you go to will not give you the revelation of Christ. That Christ, the revelations you have as the foundation rock of the church has to come from the Father. It has to come from God himself. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. But no man knoweth the Father but the Son and to whom he will reveal him. So it's all about the revelation of God. Nothing of fleshly wisdom. He has taken the wisdom of this world and turned it into foolishness. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools with over 32,000 denominations upon the earth now at present time. Why so many differentiations? Why so many different doctrines of dogmas? Why so many different chisms and catechisms in the, in the body of Christ? And it is, is it the body of Christ? Or is it all going to heaven? Well, he's just different ways, different roads that we're taking. No, there's only one way. There's only one truth, one life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh of the Father but by me. Well, now we have to understand what that is. The revelation of Christ that he was given, that is Peter given. There in Matthew 16, before they went upon the Mount of Transfiguration, we find he said Simon Barjona, his earthly name. Why? Because he, that earthly name is the revelation given by the world. It seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. It's the way of death. But so many follow that. Strive to enter in at the straight gate, narrow gate. For straight is the gate, narrow the way, that way is narrow that leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Few. you telling me with 32,000 denominations on the face of this earth, only a few are going to find it? Well, that's what Jesus said. How would you like to sit in a class, be it in high school, college, your university, and your professor comes in and tells you, well, most of you in the class are going to fail. Matter of fact, only a few of you are going to pass. Well, the indication and the admonishing would be that you really need to diligently study in this class because he's already forewarned you that there's only going to be a small remnant that or residue that's going to make it and pass in this test, in this class. Most of you are going to fail. Well, it would be to our advantage then to diligently, literally study to show ourselves approved. Well, the same is true. A workman that neither thought to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth to study yourself approved of God, not of the world, 
not of heresies or denominations, of which there be many divisions among you and heresies or denominations. Paul said that with those which are approved of you, not approved of God, but approved of you may be made manifest. The ones that you think are the best, but not approved of God. Therefore, the foundation of the church, he's telling us there what that foundation is. And then he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? There, I, the Son of Man, am. Well, that Son of Man, we see in John 3.13, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And Jesus standing there, right there amongst his disciples, stating he's in heaven. Well, that just doesn't seem right to a man. Of course it doesn't. Because you're saying, well, you know, you're standing right here and you say you're in heaven. They're going to stone Jesus. Because thou being a man, makest thyself God. For this reason, we stone you. Thou being a man, makest thyself son of God. No, thou being a man, makest thyself God. And that mind, which was in Jesus Christ, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He's in the form of God. Spirit, Philippians 2.6. Now we're getting into the revelation of Christ. What is the true Christ? What is the true foundation of the church? That so many will be deceived in the last days that they will be in error and be weeping and gnashing of teeth because they have believed a false Christ. In the deception, the tradition of the elders that's made the word of God to none effect, totally diluted the word of God, and a little leaven, leaveneth the whole up. The more you stand for truth and preach the true Christ, the more the adversary, the devil, will come against you. So very few people want to stand for that Christ because they know by bringing that man's name, you do intend to bring his blood upon them. You're preaching that blood, and the devil hates the blood. And that blood is a holy thing, a righteous thing. The shedding of blood, without that shedding of blood of the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God, there is no remission of sins. We must get it right. Just because I say I believe in Jesus does not impute righteousness unto me. How do I get this righteousness? Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now we're back to Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As the offenses of one, one man, so also is a free gift of one man. Well, a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. But how is God going to do this? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None good, no, not one. All conceived in sin, shaping in iniquity. And God looks for a man. He's amazed he can find none. Therefore, he said, my own arm brought salvation to myself. We find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. 
that God, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about the mystery of God, that mystery of Christ in Colossians, the second chapter, verse one. There's a mystery there. Why would God put a mystery there? And in whom, in that man, hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why would he hide it? And why is it so necessary that in Pergamos, in that third church mentioned in Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, Pergamos, that he says, the him that overcometh will I grant to eat of the hidden manna. Why is that manna hidden? Why not just freely reveal it to everybody? Why is it with the seven thunders out of their voices? John was about to write, said, write it not. Why not? Because it's only those that seek God out of a pure heart with their whole heart will find him. Not lackadaisically, not faintly, not half-heartedly, but with the whole heart. Somebody said, well, I, I know when I do that, the devil's going to be angry with me and I'm going to have persecution and tribulation. Of course you are. Because he said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And it won't be the world, friend. It will be perils of your own brethren. Jealousy, rage, envy, strife, hate, malice. Why? Because you stand for truth. You see, sin, death reigned. That sin reigned by death. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. Sin reigned by death, Romans 5. How does grace reign? Grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness? Well, then how do I have righteousness imputed to me? How do I do that? I'm saved by, by grace through faith. Are you saved? Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing that you or I can do to work salvation ourselves. It's God or Christ, that Christ in you. That's your hope of glory. It's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do, of his good pleasure. So you can do the will of God. It's all by him, in him, and through him that we have our being. That we have salvation. And that requires the revelation of Christ. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5, verse 1. But what is that Christ? What is that way that seemeth right to a man, but he misses it in the revelation of Christ? Why is it such a thing? It's hidden and it's light upon lying, light upon lying, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Why can't you just give it to me all at once? Because it does not. That it, they can fall back and be ensnared. Take heed lest a promise slip any of you. You should seem to come short of entering into his rest. That eternal rest, that eternal Sabbath. Sabbath that's sabbatico. Why? One promise can stop me from entering in. It's what Paul said in Hebrews 4. Take heed. Therefore, we don't want to sell our birthright. We don't want to go to a miss 
and a little leaven leaveth the whole lump that we must go on unto perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man but it's in Christ by Christ in Christ and through Christ we have access to the Father but certainly there's two of them there how can you have a father without a son as two persons that's the way it seems it seems right to a man but then there are the ways of death oh my goodness are you mean to tell me in 325 A.D., Constantine, emperor of Rome, had an ecumenical council and said, we're going to establish these truths. And it's going to be truth because we've called all the bishops, all that are in uh, God, and we're going to have a council, an ecumenical council, that we're going to line out what is the truth. And they stated in that 325 A.D., Council of Nicaea, that there would be three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, that way seems right to a man. Somebody said, well, now God sent his son, his only son, and he died on a tree. And God raised him back and set him at his right hand in heavenly places. And now that man allows us to get to the Father, so there's three persons in the Godhead. One being the Father, the second one being the Son, which is God Jr., and then that third person, that's the Holy Ghost. But yet, the Scriptures, as we search the Scriptures, we find that that is a total lie. Because Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, wait a minute, I haven't gone to heaven yet. I haven't seen the Father sitting on the throne. Well, one day you will. Really? Because some pastor said it. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Bible says. There's a way that seemeth right to a man. It seems right. There's a father and there's a son. So Jesus, when he asks a question, he's stating the truth. He is the truth. He's the personage of truth. He is that spirit. He is that life. He is the way for salvation. There is no other way for eternal life. And it's hid in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, you got to add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. Charity then is a bond of perfectness, the guarantee of perfectness. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. Somebody's charity is love. No, it's not. Charity is a love for God based in doing his will. You forgot to put in there, you have to do the will of God. That's charity. Charity is not just love. Somebody said it's love in action. It's not just love in action. It's love in obedience to the commandments of God. For he that loveth God keepeth his commandments, which are not grievous. Jesus said, take me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy, my burden's light. But the way of a transgressor is hard. And the first thing he says, the foundation is Christ. Well, we got to learn Christ as we have been taught Christ. Well, in my some 45 years in the ministry, I'm 71 years old now, I have not heard Christ taught broken down in any church. Why, if this is a foundational truth, aren't we focusing on Christ? The revelation of Christ that Jesus gave 
to Peter and his disciples in Matthew 16 before he even took them up on the Mount of Transfiguration. What is this thing about Christ? Why is things hidden? And he said, take care, you don't know man deceive you. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. Why is it this Antichrist has so many that follow him that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in this mistaken identity that I've followed a true Jesus, a true Christ, and I found out in reality, in truth, it was an Antichrist, something in lieu of Christ that was a great deception. I thought I had it made. This is what I was taught. It seemed right to a man. It seemed like inevitable truth. But yet the truth as an underlying current on a river was exactly the opposite in the spiritual realm of what we thought in the natural. How do we find that? Only through the Spirit of God. Only through that Spirit of God. Why? Because no man knoweth the Son but the Father. No man knoweth the Father but the Son and to whom he will reveal him. You see, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and God said, let there be, and it was. All things were made by him. What things? The things that we have that we see are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're talking about eternal things, not temporal things. Eternal things, the truth, not fact, truth. Somebody says, the fact is, is this, but the truth is, will be altogether different in the spiritual realm. If we seek and believe God, we cannot believe the denominational teaching of men as our foundation, we have to have that from God himself. Very few are willing to do that. They say, well, I don't have time for that. I have to work. I have to pay bills. I don't have time to sit out and read the word of God two, three, four, five hours a day. And that's the reason the hell that labors in the words worth double honor. Double money. Double uh, uh, the sacrificial giving to him if he ministered to you and in carnal things that you do to minister to the ones that feed you in the spiritual things. But very few have the true Christ. And therefore, it behooves us to study and be established in the doctrine of Christ. And if any man abide not in the doctrine of Christ, he hath not God. Second John 9. Oh my goodness. You mean, I thought just Say, Jesus, Son of God, I'm saved. No, the foundation is Christ. You have to know Christ. You have to have that revelation of Christ. You have to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5, 1. It's essential. If we believe in the name of the Son of God, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus, Jehovah, not Jehovah Jr., well, there's a revelation of Christ. It has to be taught. It has to be received. Not of the rudiments of this world. Not after the tradition of men. But after Christ. And stand in as you have been establishing Christ. As you have been taught Christ. For in him dwelleth our houses permanently. Catechio. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In one body is all truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Not part of it. 
not a third of it, not a half of it. He is Christ. He is the truth. He is that spirit of truth. All fullness should dwell in him. That all life should dwell in Christ Jesus. Well, Jesus, what is this Christ? Why is it so many stumble at the revelation of Christ, breaking this Christ up when gets all God doing it in and of himself alone because it's never been taught? The revelation of Christ, as we search the scriptures, is all and in all. It's all the offices of God, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, Son of God, Son of Man. It is all the offices of the Spirit of God. Christ is all and in all. That revelation of Christ is the foundation of the church. In Matthew 16, whenever Jesus asked, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Who do you say I am? But who do you say I am? That's not I, the son of man, am. That's the I am that I am. As he spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am that I am. Who are you? Peter said, thou art the Christ. You are the Christ. You are that Christ, that proto-evangel in Genesis 4. 315, that should come into the world, the seed of the woman that will bruise Satan's head, crush his head, but he'll bruise your heel. You are that Messiah that we have looked for. You are the God manifest in the flesh. You see, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We think the son according to the ways of the world, the way that seemeth right unto a man. The world thinks if he is a son, there has to be a different person of the father. That it can't be one and the same. It has to be different. But there's a mystery there. It's a mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures, wisdom, and knowledge. Let no man spoil you through vain philosophy rudiments of this world, tradition of men, and not after Christ, as you've been taught Christ, for all the fullness of the Godhead. Somebody said, well, the fullness of the Godhead is just part of it. No, it's not. Because we find, we find there in Philippians 2, 6 through 9, the mind of Christ. Christ, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Why does he put Christ first instead of Jesus Christ? Because Christ, that is the office of the function of that spirit. And Jesus is his name. Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. Who is he? Christ. Who is the Christ? Christ first and foremost is that spirit. Somebody said, well, I thought he was just a man. That's what the Pharisees thought in Matthew twenty-two forty-two. Jesus asked the question after they tried to trip Jesus up: "Should you pay tribute to Caesar or not?" Sell me a superscription. I sell me a coin whose superscription's on it. Caesar's rendered to Caesar things be of Caesar's rendered to God things be of God. Pharisees, Sadducees said, "Then believe in angels or the resurrection." Said, uh, "You know you're supposed to raise up seed if the brother dies, having a wife, having no seed." 
And then the brother marries her. And this goes on in succession. And all seven had her to wife. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? All seven had her to wife. Jesus said, you do error, not knowing the power of God nor the scriptures. And he goes on. They tried to trip Jesus up in questioning him. Then Jesus said, I have a question for you. Now watch it when Jesus asks a question because he's going to show you deep, eternal truth that you have to dig deep and found that rock. Those that are wise, I likened him to a wise man who dig deep. They didn't just go on the surface, believe anything out there. They dig deep and founded a rock. When they had that truth of that rock, then they built that house upon that rock. And then we're going to have, it's going to be tested and dried. We're going to have the winds come, the floods, and it's going to beat against that house. The others just built it on the sand. That sand is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seemed right. Why dig all that deep? You don't have to go all the labor. Jesus loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. Just believe on him. And intellectual consent. You don't have to believe with the heart. Believe with your mind, and you'll be okay. You don't have to worry about it. It's a way that seemeth right to a man. Just build your house on the sand. You don't have to dig deep. You don't have to search God for all these intricate truths. Just build your house. Well, whenever that rain came, the wind blew and the floods beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. But then that one, like unto him that is a wise man, that dig deep and founded a rock. The rock is Christ. It's the revelation of the true Christ as you have been taught and established in the doctrine of Christ. When that rains came and the winds blew and the floods beat against that house, it stood because it was founded upon a rock. The rock is eternal. The rock is steadfast. It's the, it's the stone which the builders rejected. It's become the head of the corner. It is the foundation stone, which is the chief cornerstone. It's one and the same. Not a different stone. It's, it, the foundation stone is the capstone. It is Jesus. He is the Christ. What is this Christ? In 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, Peter gives us an intricate truth, a foundation that we have to look at and receive. He, having that revelation of Christ, changed his name from Simon Barjona to Peter. Thou art Peter upon this rock. Not Peter the man, but the revelation that Peter had of that rock. Peter, Petros, the piece of the rock. And thou art Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Also I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose upon earth shall be loosed in heaven. The keys to the kingdom. Peter was the one that had the keys that would preach on the day of Pentecost with that revelation given unto him, which all the eleven stood with Peter on that day of Pentecost 
in agreement with them and saying, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Matthew was there too. And who had said, Matthew 28, 19, go into the other world, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It's a mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, which is but one, one spirit. What's the name? Jesus Christ. What's the name of the Father? John John 5, 43, you're going to see I'm coming in my Father's name, Jesus said. What's the name of the Father? Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, 30, I'm my Father one. That's not a union. That's a Greek word, heis, H-E-I-S, meaning one of the very self, same spirit. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the express image of his singular person, Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. John 17, oh, Holy Father, I have manifested your name. Keep through your own name those that thou hast given me. And I've lost none save with the son of perdition that the scriptures might be filled. I've manifested your name. What's the name of the Father? Jesus. That is the very name of that spirit. The Father's name is Jesus of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named Jesus. And in Revelation 14, 1, as we grow up in glory from babes to young children to young men to from little children to young men to fathers, Revelation 14, 1, I saw that 144,000 stand upon the Mount Zion having their father's name written in their foreheads. And that name is not only in this world, but in that which is to come, Jesus. Greater revelation of the name, but still, no other name, not in this world, but in that which is to come, than the name of Jesus. There'll never be another name. That name, Jesus, is the eternal name of God. It is Jehovah is salvation. There is no other salvation except in Jehovah. But he had to manifest himself. The invisible spirit had no blood. The invisible spirit was not a man, a flesh and man, he could die. So what did God do? We find that revelation of Christ given to us in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. The Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, that spirit of Christ that was in them. Christ is that spirit. Notice, neighbor, Christ is that spirit. Always has been and always will be God. The Lord Jehovah, El Shaddai, Elohim. There is none other. That's Christ. That Christ, all the Old Testament, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets all the way to Malachi prophesied by the spirit of Christ that was in them when it spoke beforehand and prophesied beforehand the sufferings of Christ wait a minute now we're short circuiting in the world we're short circuiting it doesn't make sense not to the normal mind because it says 
the Father can't be the Son. The Lord can't be the Lord, for the Lord said unto my Lord, got to be two lords there. Set thou at my right hand, don't make thine enemies thy footstool. Then how can the Lord be Lord and only one Lord if the Lord said unto my Lord? He's speaking to himself? Of course not. Well, then what's going on? There's a mystery there. It's the mystery of Christ. The mystery of God. And mystery of the Father. And Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9 tell you what that mystery is. That mystery, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 3.16 God, God himself, not the Son of God, God was manifest in the flesh, justifying the Spirit, believed on the world, seen of angels, preachers of the Gentiles, received up into glory. That's the reason Jesus said in John 2, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. You're going to raise up your own body of flesh and blood, Jesus? Yes. Yes, I've received to my Father. Why? Because in the days of his flesh, he has, uh, he has made himself of the reputation. There's the key to understanding Christ in the work of salvation, sanctification, redemption, and our ultimate glorification is the revelation of Christ. How did he do it? Let's take a look. We know by 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that the Spirit is Christ. He's always been the Spirit of God, always will be the Spirit of God. But then we have something that short circuits with a natural mindset of mankind. Doesn't seem right. Here's a way that seemeth right, but it's not right. And he says there, then he prophesied, all these Old Testament prophesied by the Spirit of Christ that was in them when it spoke before him the sufferings of Christ. Now, wait a minute. Christ, the Spirit, can't suffer because it's Spirit. No blood and can't be tempted. No man can tempt God at any time for God cannot be tempted. But yet, Jesus, as a man, will be tempted. Well, there we have something that does not and does not and cannot compute in the natural mind because that's a way that seemeth right to a man but the end there are the ways of death it doesn't it doesn't compute how can this be because it has to be revealed by god it can only be revealed by the lord of glory the father himself because flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, Simon Barjona, but my Father which is in heaven. Why? No man knoweth the Son but the Father. No man knoweth the Father. Who is that Father? But the Son unto whom he will reveal him. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's your revelation. But how? That short circuits to a natural mind. A natural mind cannot receive the things of God because those things are spiritually discerned. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Well, how do I do that? Well, first, I have to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, born of the water, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. Now, 
That Holy Ghost will lead me and guide me into all truth. But I can't lean to my own understanding because that way is a way that seemeth right, but it's a way of the world. It will only bring forth death. It's going to seem like there's two, but it's not right. I can't lean to my own understanding. I must follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost says, that the Spirit of God says, that Christ in you says, there's only one. One body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit, one God, the Father of all, through all, and in us all, the Father. Well, that short circuits everywhere. You tell me you don't believe in a trinity? Of course not. The Holy Ghost doesn't. The Holy Ghost will never speak to this three. But man will because it's the way that seemeth right to a man. It's the natural mind. He cannot understand and see how God can work salvation in and of himself alone. How does God do it? We know by one man's disobedience sin came to the world and death by sin. And we know a man lost it. Therefore, only by one man shall my servant make many righteous. Who is this servant? How is God going to get this servant that's going to die? A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. How is he going to do that? Well, what the law could not do in that it's weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, Romans 8, 3. Well, if God sent his son, the natural mind says he can't be the son because he's sending him. It short circuits. The natural mind can't receive that. Well, how did he receive him? Well, we look for a scripture. Where did the Father speak to the Son and say, Son, go down and die for the sin of the world? It's not there. Why? Because it's not the truth. <laughs> it's not in the Scriptures. Search you out of the book and read. Not one of these things will fail. Well then, who is this sermon? How did God do it? How did God send forth His Son? Well, Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. Speaking to him? No. What? The Word. The Word was made flesh. Who's the Word? Well, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. That's the Word of God. That's not a separate spirit. How do you know that? First John 5, 7 said there's three that bear record in heaven. Three offices of the one spirit. Three different functions of that one spirit. The Father is administrative office. It's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Not whom joined together in one mind, but heist. Exactly the self-same spirit. These three are one and the same spirit. Heist, H-E-I-S. A Greek word meaning one and the very self-same spirit. Well, the Father is the administrative office of that spirit. The Word is the expression office of that same spirit. It's the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God revealed through his word. Same spirit. The Holy Ghost. It's the power office of that same spirit. How many spirits? One. They're exactly the same. But what's the difference? Well, the expression office, when he's thought, he's thought, plan, purpose, and will, that's his word. I can read the word of God, and in the spirit he reveals 
through his word, the will of God for my life. The Father is that administrative office of the Spirit. It is the final uh, consummation, then come at the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, that he may be all. Why? So that God can be all through all us and in us all. But we have to have these various offices to get us there, because if we see God face to face, there we will die because of his holiness. So he uses various offices to help us grow up in uh, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, until we come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, and then ultimately see our God face to face. That is a progressive growth through the various offices. Right now we know in part, we prophesy in part, we have knowledge in part, but the Holy Ghost has given us all truth and no lies of the truth. How did God do it? Yeah, Father, Son, are you telling me that that is is not the same? There's surely you believe in a Trinity? No, there's no such thing as a Trinity. That's what seemeth right to a man. It seems right, but it's not. It's it is the ways of death. But that's what's taught. I know what's taught. But the Holy Ghost, when you read the Bible, you see God with all your heart, and you get born of the water and the Spirit. That spirit's going to lead you and guide you into the truth, not natural, worldly revelation. Seven, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, this Christ revelation you've got. It's revealed by the Father. You have to lean not to your own understanding. You've got to believe God. Well, how does he do it? How does God do this? How can Christ, the Spirit, Speak beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. Not Christ Jr., Christ himself. Christ that spirit. Well, there's a mystery there. It's short circuits that there cannot be one. All the world says it can be one. It's got to be different. He sent. What he sent, sent his word. Who's that? It's God. Proceeding from the Father. The Father's coming into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, how? I'm glad you asked. Philippians 2, 6, let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Form is an eternal state. Morpha. The form. It's an eternal state. He's in the form of God. That means that Jesus has always been God, is God, and will always be God. He has been, is, and always will be God. He's in the form of God. He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because every attribute of the Spirit is equal. God is love. God is jealous. God is wisdom. God is prudence. All of these attributes of God are the same. The Word is wisdom. The Word is power. All of these attributes are equal. Nobody's equal with God except God himself. And Jesus did not think it robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the mind. But he is that spirit. We're not the spirit of God. He is. Who, Jesus, who, him, 
God himself, who Jesus, being in the form of God. He is in the form of God. Not us, not anybody, not any preacher. He's not God. God is God. God is a spirit. He is that spirit. He is the Elohim, the self-existent, eternal, God Almighty. And Jesus, who being in that form, that morpha, that eternal state, that form of spirit, something had to happen for him to work salvation. He had to have a man. He looked for one. He was amazed he could not find no man. Therefore, he said, my own arm brought salvation to myself. Trust not in the arm of flesh, the arm of to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Isaiah 53, 1. That is why the Holy Ghost is showing you don't believe in the world ways where the worldly wisdom believe God. Have that revelation of Christ so you can be saved. Don't believe in a false Christ, a Christ Jr., Believe in God. Believe what he says and you'll be fine. Believe the word. Believe God. Don't believe seminaries, cemeteries, doctrines, dogmas of the world, all these denominations, this, that, and the other. Just pick the Bible and take a look at it. I'm giving you the scriptures, take a look at it. You'll see. And God will reveal it to you. Very simple. He's God. Worship God. Don't worship anything but God. Don't worship man. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils. Worship God. Jesus, Philippians 2, 6, who being in the form of God. Him, him only, Jesus only, being in the form of God, spirit, thought it not Robert to be with God, equal with him, yeah, because every attribute of God's equal. Jesus is that spirit. He's in that form of God, that spirit. How did he become a man? How can this be? That short circuits. That can't be. Yet, it says he made himself of no reputation. It's a kenosis. A K-E-N-O-O. It means made void. Self-imposed limitation upon yourself. You don't cease and desist from being God. You can't stop being God. You're God. You're that eternal spirit, eternal power. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, God Almighty. But you can put a self-imposed limitation upon yourself. Said, I won't work as spirit. Why would you do that? For us, not for him. He's always been God. But for us, why does he do it? He takes upon himself, makes himself of no reputation. One time in the word of God, Philippians 2, 6, the spirit of God makes himself of no reputation. That is Kano. Makes void. Emptied out. Not a process of emptying out, but emptied out. Boom. Null and void. I'm not going to work a spirit here. I'm going to put a self-imposed limitation upon myself. I've looked for a man. I can't find one. They all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, conceived in sin, shaping in iniquity. Therefore, I can't use any of them. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the way down. The prophets all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore, he's in the form of God, but he makes himself of no reputation. It's a key verse. It's a key word. No reputation. Who? He made himself 
of no reputation. Emptied out of glory. Makes it null. Void. Nada. Self-imposed. Limitation upon himself. Makes himself of no reputation. And does what? Takes upon him another form. Takes upon him, the Spirit of God, the form of a servant. That is an eternal state. Morpha. The form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Oh, wait a minute. Now the Spirit of God has taken upon itself the form of a servant. He who was rich became poor for you. He takes upon him not the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. But to do that, he makes, because he's not going to work his spirit, because by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world. He has to have a man. What does he do? He's literally making his spirit of no reputation, takes upon him, himself, the spirit of God, the form of a servant. How? Made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man. Fashion is schema. His ears are going to grow. He's going to grow in stature. But Jesus Christ, that spirit, will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. But Jesus, in the body of his flesh, he's going to grow. He's going to change. He's going to go through a boy, a child there, to a boy, to a young man. Then he's going to the cross. He takes upon him the form of a servant. Who is this servant? Well, it's the Spirit of God manifest in his flesh now. God manifests in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. It is the Father of glory revealed, the expressed image of his person. You'll see that. And the Word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we'll see that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the only begotten God, which is the only begotten monogamies, theos, or that only begotten, uh, the only begotten God, monogamies, theos, or the only begotten Son, the only begotten, the monogamies, euos, either which way you want to go. It's both correct. The only begotten Son is the only begotten God. Somebody said, you don't have scripture for that. Yes, we do. Of course you do. Isaiah 43.10 states, Thus saith the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Spirit of God. Thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Servant. Oh, there's got to be two now. The natural man says, ah, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty. That's Jehovah God Almighty, the Lord, the Spirit. Thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Certainly there's two. Natural mind thinking. The natural man cannot receive these things. Thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. Believe God. Believe me and understand. Understand God? Yes. He's telling you who he is. That I am he. Inextricably. <laughs> Can't separate them. One of the self-same spirit manifest. 
Spirit is invisible. Now the form of a servant made in the likeness of men is the image of that God. You've seen him, you've seen, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. How? Because Isaiah 43.10 says, Thus saith the Lord and my servant who I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself, a body of flesh and blood, so you could see him. Jesus would state that over and over again. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. You'll see there in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then whatever he said over there, I'm the way, the truth, the life. You know, uh, no man come with the Father but by me. From henceforth you both know him and have seen him. Seen him? You seen that invisible spirit? Yes. Philip didn't understand it. Kind of in a natural mind, Philip says, Lord, Jesus, show us the Father. And that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. Jesus says, have I been so long time with you? And hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then? Show us the Father. Believe me that I'm in my Father and my Father in me. Or else believe me for the work's sake. The words uh, that I'm speaking are not mine. But the Father that dwelleth in me, catecheo, houses permanently in me forever eternal world without end forever he's the one doing the works the words that I speak are not mine the father that dwelleth in me he's the one doing the works if I with the finger of God not the finger of the son of God if I with the finger of God cast out devils know ye the kingdom of God has come nigh to you My goodness. He's telling you there. Look at John 8, 13. Those Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you bear record yourself. Your record's not true. They would not believe the word of God. They did not believe that if you believe in him, you believe him in him that sent him because he's one and the same. He has set to your testimony that God is true of what he bare witness of his son, he is God manifest in the flesh. In John 8, 13, those Pharisees came to Jesus with that natural mind as a mind of the world in a trinity state, saying, Jesus, you bear record of yourself. Your record's not true. Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. Oh, really? Who else is with you? He's got one man sitting there in the flesh. But Jesus said, I am one that bear record of myself. And my father beareth record of me. The one that sent me, he beareth record of me. Now watch what he says. Jesus said, it is written in your law, your law, the testimony of two men is true. Well, we think one plus one equals two men. That's the world thinking. If I have one man, plus one equals two men. But Jesus said, it's written in your law, the testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself. He's talking about the testimony now. The testimony of Jesus. 
That testimony of Jesus there is going to have two witnesses. He said, it's written in your law, the testimony, that testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself. There's one man standing there. There's not another body of flesh standing there. And he said, my father that sent me, he beareth witness of me. He's saying there's two men there, which is one and the same Jesus Christ. Only one man standing there, but he called the father of glory that man. That man that came from heaven is not a human, a man in a dirt body. Humus, human. It is a man. No man hath ascended up to heaven, John 3, 13, but he that came down from heaven. That man that came down from heaven is the word, knowing him that's from the beginning. You, no man has sent it up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, that man that came down from heaven is a spiritual man. Even the son of man, which is in heaven. Now think about that. John 3, 13. No man has sent it up to heaven. Not Enoch, not Elijah. But he that came down from heaven, that other man, even the son of man, which is in heaven, he called himself the son of man, which has nothing to do with flesh and blood, but is the kingdom office of the Spirit of God. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend back up before Pilate? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend back up to where he was before? There was no fleshly man sent up there in heaven. But he said the Son of Man was in heaven before. The Son of Man is the kingdom office. He's the head and we are the body of the Christ. Make it but one man. That revelation there, Jesus stating that while he's talking to his disciples, he's in heaven. He's that spirit. In John 8, as he's talking to the Pharisees, he said, it's written in your law, the testimony of two men is true. We think that way that seemeth right to a man is there two of them. We can't understand that what Jesus is saying is a spiritual truth. He's giving you the revelation of Christ. Christ is that spirit. But for the sufferings of Christ prophesied beforehand. Well, how? Because uh, Jesus said, uh, read in your law, the testimony, testimony of two men is true. I'm one that bear witness of myself. My father sent me. He beareth witness of me. They said, where is your father? Thinking with that natural mind, they still don't understand. Jesus said, if you had known me, you should have known my father. We're one and the same. We're inextricably the same spirit. You can't divide that spirit of God. No matter what office that you go to, father, spirit, word, spirit, Holy Ghost, spirit, son of God, spirit. Somebody said, well, in the days of his flesh, yes, I know. But now, He's gone back glorified with the Father's own self and God has sent forth the spirit of his Son. Capital S. Galatians 4, 6. Into our hearts whereby we cry, have a Father. Because the spirit of the Son, the spirit of the Father is the self-same spirit. Notice going on with John 8, 13 through 27. He says there, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my Father. I'm, you're from beneath. I am from above. Jesus is saying, I'm that spirit. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. 
Moreover, Jesus spake these words in the treasury, no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. Moreover, Jesus said, I go my way, and whether I go, you cannot come. They said, whither will he go? Will he kill himself? They don't understand. They're thinking with that natural mind that in that way that seemeth right to a man, the end thereof, the ways of death. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, uh, and whither I go, you cannot come. They said, will he kill himself? Jesus said in John 8, 24, the question is, where is your father? Jesus said, except you believe that I, the man Christ Jesus, am he, the father of glory, except you believe that I am the father, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We must believe that Christ is Christ. Christ is the spirit. Christ is the man. He is both the anointing and the anointed. Christ is Christ. Christ is the man who is God. He proclaimed that. They say, say ye whom the word of God came, that you are God's little G-O-D-S. But say ye of him whom God has sanctified and sent in the world, that I blaspheme because I say I'm the son of God. What is sanctified and sent in the world? The word of God. Sanctify them through that truth. That word is truth. He's a word. Word made flesh. Somebody said, is that the Father? Yes, same spirit. 1 John 5, 7, 3, the bare record in heaven, Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. Well, that doesn't seem right to a man. I know it doesn't. The way that seems right to a man, the end of, there are the ways of death. We think there's got to be two. No, there's not. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're looking at him. Then he said in John 8, 24, except you believe I am he, you shall die in your sins. This they understood not. He spake to them of the Father. And they still don't understand it today. And friend, you've got to have that understanding as little children that he is the Father. 1 John 2, 12 through 14, in order to go to the next step of overcomer as young men, you will not be sealed. Oh, friend of mine. Somebody says, well, you have so many people coming against you, Brother Beard. You mean, of course we do. We're preaching this Jesus. I expect it. We know we're preaching the truth. Why? Because he's Trinity, all the ones out there coming against us everywhere they can. Why? Because they do not understand Christ. Christ is a spirit who made himself a body of flesh and blood. You can see that in Isaiah 43.10. Believe God. Thus saith the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, capital L, capital O, capital R. That's the spirit of God. And my servant whom I've chosen. The world said there's two of them. No, it's not. No, it's not, neighbor. Thus saith the Lord and my servant whom I've chosen that you may know and believe me and understand. Believe God that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See now that I, even I am God. I am the Lord. I am thy redeemer. And beside me there is no other God. When you have that revelation of Christ, you're born of God. You're born. Somebody said, well, well, I have to be born of the water and the spirit. Yes. But the only way you're going to see it is that you are born again. 
because it takes being born again of the water and the spirit to understand the doctrine of Christ. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Some say, well, I believe he's a Christ. He's that man. But you don't believe he's a spirit. You don't believe he's a father. Take a look at 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar but he that, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that has denied both the Father and the Son. Somebody said, I didn't deny the Father. I just said the Son of God's not the Father. You've denied the Father. Somebody said, that's short circuits. It can't be. In the natural mind, it can't be because that's the way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Believe God. I am he. I am that Father. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. And except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. This understood not. He spake to them by the Father. Somebody said, well, why did he pray to the Father then? Because in the days of his flesh, he's working as a man. He's still that spirit, but he's made that spirit of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. The spirit is laid dormant. It is inactive. Why? Because he's going to work only as a man of flesh and blood. Because one man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. God, look for one. You've got to have a virgin birth. Because uh, as a seed of Adam, in Adam, all have sinned. But this is the seed of the woman. And in the seed of the woman, there is no Y factor. The woman only has an XX chromosome, which out of the 23 chromosomes, the woman can only render an X chromosome, which is a female. It takes the male having an X and a Y chromosome, and that Y chromosome determined by the male gender will determine the gender of that child. And that child, and there was no male factor in that virgin birth. Because that which is of the Mary is of, that which is born of thee is of the Holy Ghost. No sexual relation. It was the word. As soon as she said, be unto thine handmaid according to thy word, she was pregnant right there according to the word of God and by her faith. And the young virgin, Mary, carried in her moon nine months, born a son who shall be called she bore that child which will be called the son of the highest you will bear a son little s-o-n Christ and he shall be called the son of the highest Christ the spirit you see when Jesus in the days of his flesh as a man had to fulfill the law he had to have a man that would be tempted in all points like as we are under the law to redeem us that are under the law He had to be our kinsman redeemer. He had to be one of us to redeem us. He's not an Adam before the fall. He's an Adam after the fall. How do we know that? Because Galatians 4 verse 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made him under the law, not above it. Why? Because he's going to have to fulfill the law as a man, being tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. 
and then and only then will he have a right to offer himself a free will sacrifice and propitiation for our sins. But the law states that the high priest, or high priest, cannot take his office until age 30. Therefore, Jesus will not take his office, his office as a man, as an Adam, before age 30. Why? Because Numbers 4 states that that high priest takes his office at age 30. Therefore, Jesus will begin his ministry at age 30. Why? Because as a man, he's fulfilling his own law for us and what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh. So therefore, even though God has come in the flesh, there is a metal wall of partition. I'm going to put this paper here as a metal wall. There's a wall. The wall of partition. God's here. Made himself with no reputation. But he brought the word, made flesh, and under the law. God sent forth his son. What? The word. Sent that word. The word came down. Proceeded from the Father. If something proceeds from the Father, if water proceeds from a waterfall and into the river, then that water that proceeded from the waterfall is the same water that came into the river. Jesus proceeded from the Father. The same spirit the Father is, is that same spirit manifest in the world. Not Jehovah Jr. with us, but Jehovah, Emmanuel, God with us. Not God Jr. with us. Not the Son of God with us, but God with us. But we have to understand that a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. And under the law, now God gave the law that sin might appear exceedingly sinful and it separated God from all mankind. Now God has to have a man. He looks for one. He's amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself, but it has to fulfill the law just because the, it's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, Christ the Lord is now revealed in that man. But that law is still there. That law in its ordinances is a wall of partition, dividing, parting God from his, uh, from his creation of mankind. The law has to be fulfilled. The law requires the shedding of blood. It requires a body of flesh and blood, perfect, spotless, blameless to fulfill the law in every jot and tittle of it in order then to fulfill it and die as a perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God. Sacrifice. So Jesus, Philippians 2, being in the form of God, makes himself of no reputation, not working his spirit, takes upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself to the death, the death of the cross. Why? So God could could what? Glorify him and give him a name above every name. Exalted him above the heavens for our salvation as a propitiation for our sins. So why did he pray to the Father? Well, let me ask you a question. Just because God is manifest in the flesh, has he died yet? No, the law's still there. That law that flesh is enmity against God and God is enmity or an enemy of that flesh. 
These are contrary one to another. Yet God has taken on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men and under the law. Galatians 4 verse 4. And because he's done that, he's under the law. There in, in uh, Hebrews, the second chapter, for as much then as the children, us, are partakers of flesh and blood, he, God himself also likewise, took part of the same. Why? That in all things he was made likened to his brethren. Hebrews 4.15, tempted in all points. God can't be tempted, but he took on a body of flesh and blood under the law that says it can be tempted. And he will be tempted in all things like as we are, yet without sin. That law is still there. Dividing God from all mankind. So Jesus will have to, because he's still under that law as a man, even though it's God's own self, the spirit that's made itself of no reputation, it's latent, it's laid back, it's not moving. It's not moving as God. Only as a man. And this man is growing with in favor with God and with mankind. Now Jesus is going to go to John and John the Baptist to be baptized of John and Jordan. Why? Not to wash away his sins. He's sinless, spotless through the virgin birth. He's the seed of the woman. Not to see, not not uh, the sin sin nature of Adam. He's not the seed of Adam. He is the seed of the woman, which is an Adam. But where the Y chromosome come from? He's the son of God. But yet, he's not and has not paid the price and that law is still there and the ordinances of that law are still there. And as long as that's there, he has to glorify, God has to glorify his own human, his own body of flesh and blood back to himself, but he can't break that law because that's his law and it is holy and it is a divine holy law. It is holy and it is the law of God that's gone out and that law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful and by the works of this law no flesh will be saved well God has come down in a body of flesh and blood but the law's still there it's still there dividing God from his own body of flesh and blood because that law is still there He's got to fulfill the law as a man, not as God, but as a man. So the the spirit is made of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, and the man that he is uh, there is working salvation in obedience to the Father and has to pray to the Father because that law is still dividing the spirit from that body of flesh and blood with a human spirit, rational soul, and a human body, even though in essence he is God, he hasn't quit and stopped being God. He just put a self-imposed limitation, made himself of no reputation to work as a man. But if he works as God at any time, there that he has and breaks this law, then that man will need a savior. Because that man has to be the man himself, not God, but the man himself must be the blameless, spotless, blameless lamb that will then have the right to offer himself as a free will sacrifice and say, yes, I will die for you. I'm perfect, spotless, blameless. I've been tempted at all points of this law. I haven't failed. 
So I have the right, because there's no sin in me, no in my spirit, soul, or body. Therefore, I can lay down my life for the sin of the world. I can take it away as a free will offering. Well, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, is going to have to play, pray to the Father. Why? Because the law is still there. He can't take his ministry until age 30. Why? Because the law states the high priest can't take his office until age 30. Numbers 4. Mentions this six times. At the age of 30, the high priest takes his office. Jesus is our great high priest. He cannot, as a man, take that office until age 30. That law is still there. Well, he begins his ministry at age 30. At that time, then, at that he's fulfilling the law, and he starts at priesthood. The priesthood there is working on our behalf as our great high priest, but it's at the order of Melchizedek. So things have to happen. Number one, they, a natural high priest, because by reason of death, he cannot continue on. So he's going to do three things. Because he can't continue on, he's going to have to anoint his son in his stead to take on the priesthood of a high priest. So he's going to do three things. Number one, he's going to anoint him with oil. Number two, he's going to lay hands on him. Number three, he's going to speak over him. Thou art the high priest or priest in my stead. He's going to retire, and then God is going to charge that high priest or that priesthood for that office. From that day forth, the high priest leaves. The, the son takes over in that office. Well, now Jesus is going to be going to John the Baptist of the course of Zechariah of Abijah of the Levitical priesthood of Aaron. And he goes to John the Baptist. Says, baptize me. Why? Because now it's going to be after the order of Melchizedek. But there has to be a transfer from that Levitical priesthood to Jesus. He's going to fulfill that law. As a man, not as God, but as a man. A man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. John the Baptist says to Jesus, I have need to be baptized of you, of whose shoes latches. I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose your very shoe latches. Jesus said, suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness, not to wash away my sins, but to work this plan of salvation to fulfill all righteousness. We have to fulfill this law. I have to be glorified back to the Father. I've emptied out of all glory and, and become a man. Now I've got to glorify it all the way back to the Father fulfilling this law. Therefore, that mind, that mind of the man Christ Jesus will be subjected to that mind of God. The mind of God will have the will of God. But Jesus will have his own will as a man. We're born. We have the Adamic nature in us. We're born of the seed of Adam. So we have a depraved nature when we're born. All of a sudden comes short of the glory of God. Not good, no, not one. We have a, a, a body of flesh and blood, rational soul, mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect, and then a human spirit. That's where we have uh, communion. That's where we have a conscience or a affection. That spirit there, we have intuition, things that we know that were not learned with the human intellect of the mind and the soul realm. 
but we're not born with the Spirit of God. Jesus, however, was born with the Spirit of God. But it will not and cannot come alive as a high priest until age 30 because of the law. The law states you have to do it at age 30 and become a high priest. Uh, there, a priesthood, what on our behalf? An order after Melchizedek. Not a Levitical priesthood, but our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which nothing was said of the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, Jesus says, John, baptize me to fulfill all, suffer to be so, to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to fulfill the law of going back. So, as John will do three things. Number one, lays hands on Jesus. Number two, puts him under the water. Number three, he doesn't speak over him like an earthly priesthood would. There's a voice from heaven that said, Thou art my beloved Son. There we see the Spirit of God descending as a dove. What? As a sign. As a sign given to him of who that dove, he it is, John the Baptist, he it is that will take away the sin of the world. That dove comes down and rests upon Jesus. Now he's after the order of Melchizedek. The heavens are open to him. The law, somebody say, well, thus saith the Lord. Thou shalt not. But Jesus doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, but I say unto you. Why? Because he's God manifest in the flesh. I say unto you, the law has said, if you commit adultery, they die the death. But I say unto you, he that looketh on a woman, just to lust after her, has already committed adultery, whether in his heart. That's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's fulfilling that law of the natural law, the natural body of the natural people, to a spiritual law. Give us the spiritual aspect of that law, from a natural law to a spiritual law. But it cannot happen until the law is fulfilled. And he's got to fulfill the law as a man. So therefore, he's got to pray to the Father. Father, glorify thou me. He said, I've glorified you, and I'll glorify you again. There, the man, Christ Jesus, is going to be glorified back to the Father's own self in a progressive glorification. It's going to start out with every miracle he does and a redemption miracle. He's going to start out with turning the wine, uh, the water into wine at the marriage in Cana, uh, Cana of Galilee. And they save the best for the last. Jesus turned the water into wine. And then he goes on. Every miracle Jesus does will be going from glory to glory to glory. As he even in the raising the dead. Three was raised in the Old Testament from the dead, one under Elijah, two and under Elisha. Here we have Jesus. We have uh, Jairus' daughter. She's been dead a couple of hours. She's been dead a couple of hours, and uh, he comes in, and they, they said that she just sleeps. They laughed him to scorn. He put him out. His daughter said to thee, arise. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Been dead a couple of hours few hours, whatever the case is. Notice how the glory is progressively getting higher and higher. Father, glorify me. Father said, I've glorified you and I'll glorify you again. We, as sons of God, 
and we have knowledge of him, not after the flesh now, but after the spirit. Gnosko. We know him. Gnosko. We know him after the spirit. But Jesus didn't know him. Gnosko or epigonosko, becoming in the image. He knew, he knew the Father as I know, E-I-D-O. In other words, looking at him in the same spirit, in the mirror, he's the same spirit. Jesus is that Father manifest. But he cannot automatically just take it. He's got to fulfill the law as a man in order to bring mankind back to God, and he's doing it in his own body of flesh and blood. That servant is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. It is God formed a servant in under the law. Galatians 4 verse 4. Therefore as a man he on our behalf shows us how we've got to pray to the Father. While we have to fast. While we have to be unobedient to the Father. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. To get to the Father. And God will do it through his own body of flesh and blood. God Christ, Spirit, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, Christ. Who's born in the city of David? Christ the Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty. But he's born as Emmanuel, God with us. He doesn't take his ministry until age 30 because the law states it, that a high priest doesn't take his office of the high priest till age 30, numbers four. He's fulfilling the law as a man. At that point, he is working in everything he does. He never does his own will. He always does the will of the Father that sent him. But he will say, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But he's suffering in his own body of flesh and blood. 1 Peter 4 verse 1. For as much then has Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. In his own body of flesh. Be ye therefore likewise minded. Why? For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Why? He's crucifying his flesh. Well, even in every miracle he did, it's progressively being glorified. He's growing from glory to glory to glory. Father, glorify me. He said, I've glorified you. I'm going to glorify you again. You're getting higher and higher. But you will not. You will not. Fulfill that law until you have shed your own righteous, holy, blameless blood. Therefore, Jesus, there's Jesus' daughter, been dead a couple hours. Now we go to the widow of Nain's son. Been dead for a couple of days. They're having a funeral procession. And as it goes by, Jesus has compassion on the widow, her only son. So he stops the parade. He stops the procession. And he goes over there on the widow of Nain's son. Been dead a couple of days now. Not just a couple of hours, a couple of days. And says, son of Saint Denis arrives. And presents that son to his mother. Now, from a couple of hours, now the widow of Nain's son, a couple of days, now we go to Lazarus. Been dead four days. And he said, by this time he's thinking. Lazarus come forth. Finally, he goes into Gethsemane. John 17. As he's praying, Oh, Holy Father, glorify thou me, the man, 
Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. You know, when I made myself of no reputation to manifest myself, to be this man of flesh and blood, to be the savior of the world, the man Christ Jesus, Christ, the spirit revealed in a body of flesh and blood, Christ. I've made myself of no reputation. I laid aside my glory. Just like the high priest did in Leviticus 16. On the day of atonement, the high priest laid aside his garments of glory and beauty. Just as Jesus did, made himself of no reputation. He went into the sanctuary, the holy place, and laid aside his garments of glory and beauty and put on linen breeches and the linen garments and the linen bonnet, which he become one with the people And then he worked all of the different sacrifices, making an offering for the people of Israel, for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Then after he got through with the two goats, go to Isaiah, etc., after all was done, and sprinkling of uh, uh, the blood, that but seven times before the, uh, the mercy seat. Then he went back out after all was completed, all was finished. He went back into the holy place, the sanctuary, took off the linen garments, never to be worn again, one time, and put back on the garments of glory and beauty. Jesus did the same thing. He made himself of no reputation, laid aside his glory, took it up, come into the world as a man, a man under the law suffering, tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin, progressively glorified his own human back to himself. Then Jesus said in John 17, 5, Father, glorify me with thine own self, not just with your own self, everything you are, with the glory I had with you before the world was, before I made myself of no reputation, I want all that glory back. Jesus is dying on the cross. We know the veil rent from top to bottom, 30 foot high, 3 foot wide. Herod's temple, that veil separating the holy place from the most holy of the holiest of all, rent from top to bottom. That veil to say, that is, Hebrews 10 says, his flesh. The final ultimate sacrifice. In Ephesians 2, it said, he took the ordinances of this law that parted That was a wall, a partition, parting God from all mankind. That wall of partition, dividing. That wall, he took the ordinances of that law and nailed it to his cross. Thereby breaking down the middle wall of partition and there of the twain, making one new man. One new man. The man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, is your Savior. That's the reason why that death could not and no corruption would see that Holy One. He will not suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Why? There's nothing worthy of death. He's declared to be the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, through the Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1, 3. There it comes out of the tomb and he says to his disciples, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. All glory that I had laid aside 
and now is glorified with the Father's own self. You're looking at the Father of glory. Jesus, Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified. God hath made him both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, while Jesus is in the world, he's under the law. God's own body of flesh and blood. He said, I'll pray the Father to send you another comforter. Because the world saith him not, neither knows him. But you know him. For he dwelleth with you, other people, other disciples. And dwells with you and shall be in you. I will be in you. Why? Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. That's the Spirit of God. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, which was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus, the man, was not yet glorified with the Father's own self, where he could send forth the Spirit of his Son, which is the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. He sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That spirit of the Son is the spirit of the Father, Galatians 4, 6. There's not other, there is none other. Jesus is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit. He's made him, God has made him, the man Christ Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, no man can call Jesus Lord, the Father, except by the Holy Ghost. It has to be revealed by God. Here's a way that seemeth right unto a man. you got God Jr., you know, the Father, and then the Son of God, God Jr., second person. It is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof neighbors the ways of death. It seems right, but it's wrong. You've got Isaiah 43.10 to show you the truth that God formed himself, a body of flesh and blood, that he is that Savior. He's the Lord, your Redeemer, and there's not another. He also showed you there in 1 Timothy 6.15 that he was in Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate, capital P, omnipotent, almighty, omniscient, omnipresent God, who only hath immortality. We're not preaching a oneness doctrine where you've got a man standing on the right hand of God, sitting on the right hand of God, standing there when he sees Stephen stoned to death. No. The mediator, one, the one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Who is that man? God has made that man both Lord and Christ. That's the reason why in Romans 8, uh, 33 to 36, it says, no man knows how he ought to pray. Who's your mediator? Who is that man, Christ Jesus? Who is that man? Well, in the days of his flesh, he was one of us. But where is he now? How, how did he go in glory? I know in his humiliation, he became one of us under the law. How high did he go in glory? To the glory of the Father. That's the reason Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He manifests everything the Father did in a body of flesh and blood there as the Son of God. But the Son of God that man died for you. God, did, God can't die, but he did in the, in the body of his flesh. 
Somebody said, well, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. How about 1 John 3, 16? Hereby perceiving the love of God, because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. His life is not a different life than God. He and the Father are one in the self-same spirit. John 10, 30. I, the man, and my Father are one. Therefore, Jesus Christ works salvation as a man and under the law. Now, he is that blessed and only potentate glorified with the Father's own self. God emptied out, made himself of no reputation to be a man, and they glorified it back to where he was before with the Father's own self. John 17, 5. 1 Timothy 6, 15, the blessed and only potentate, capital P, that's the Almighty, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man, that means no earthly man, no natural mind of man, no human mankind can enter into. You can't get this with the natural mind. There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but it's the way and there are the ways of death. That's the reason no man, he has only, he's the only one that hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. You can only see it with the eye of the Spirit. If thine eye be single, not your eyes, but the eye. If thine eye be single, the eye of your spirit is single, your whole body's full of light. But if thine eye be darkness, if you're looking through the ways of the world, a natural mind cannot receive the things of God. It's short circuits. You think, well, there's got to be two. No, there's not. In God, one plus one equals one. The spirit manifest in flesh is but one spirit. But there's a man. Yeah, that man is God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16. He is that spirit. Revelation 1 verse 8. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the ending, which is, was, and is to come. What? The Almighty, the Omnipotent. When you read Revelation 3.21, Jesus said, to him that overcometh, listen, that law, we're not under the law now. We're under grace. And grace reigns through righteousness. This Holy Ghost leading us. And God, the law of the spirit of life, it's written upon the tables of our heart. Is what we obey now. And you have to obey it through the Spirit, not the natural mind. You can have men sit there and whack these scriptures up, learn, write 15 million commentaries of what they think and believe based on Greek words and Hebrew words and Aramaic and Chaldean, Latin and whatever. But until you look at it and the Holy Ghost leading you, the end thereof are the ways of death. Because the way that seemeth right to a man, it seems that you've got to have two. But you can't. <laughs> There's only one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. When Jesus came out of that tomb, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. John 16, he said, I want you to know, when the Holy Ghost comes, the Spirit of Christ, that he is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.17 he said, when that spirit has come, John 16, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, not around him, 
not somewhere to the right side of the throne. I go to him. I'm going to glorify with the Father's own self. I'm going to sit down with the Father in that throne, not around it, not beside it. That's a place for you. And that's the reason he does. He uses the word dexios. Dexios for that right hand, which is power. It is a state of glory that he has given you, not a literal, there's my right hand. Therefore, Jesus, in that glory, that glory that he has, as a man, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That did not leave the Father powerless. When you see in Revelation 3.21, he made that place for us, that right hand where we, the body of Christ, are made to sit, sit, sit down, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I prepare a place for you, not for me, for you. We'll never be God. We'll be a partaker of his divine nature. We will be a partaker of his kingdom, his power, his glory, but the glory is his. It's to the praise when he gathers all things together in one, in Christ Jesus, it'll be to the praise of his glory, not ours, his. That is the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, when he gather all things, gathers all things together in one in Christ Jesus, which is a mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world. Jesus is that spirit. I'll close with this. Friend, don't go with the ways of the world. Seek the Lord and let him be your guide. Don't listen to doctrines of dogmas of bishops and elders and all this kind of stuff. And I know he gave me a fivefold apostle, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. True. But seek God on your own and say, Lord, I want to know the true Christ. I guarantee you, when you seek for him with all your heart, you will find him. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus states, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Well, it's a place I prepare for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am there, you may be also. But he did that as a man for us. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Now we're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because we he lives, we shall live also. Raised in the newness of life, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Made to sit together in heavenly places, four and twenty seats in heaven for the four and twenty elders to sit upon. And that's the priesthood which we are called for, the body of Christ. How be it? Jesus said to him that overcometh, you've gone from babies to little children, now to young men, overcomer, and to him that overcometh, you make that obedience unto righteousness. To him that overcometh, I've given you to eat of the hidden manna. I've given you a white stone wherein is a new name written and only he knows it receives it. You've gone up to a higher level of glory than Pentecost. You've gone into tabernacles. You're tabernacleists. You're not Pentecostals. You've gone into the new thing that God's doing, sealing the servants of God in their forehead. And he said, you've overcome. I'm going to grant you to sit, sit with me in my throne. I'll prepare a place for you. Even as I overcame, Jesus as a man. Where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and him sit. S-E-T, not S-I-T, S-E-T. It's different if I say I sit 
a table and I sit table. If I sit on a table, I go sit on a table. But if I set the table, it is a state of glory. It is forever settled. It's S-E-T. Jesus said, if you overcome, I'll grant that you sit with me in my throne. That is a position of authority in glory. Even as I overcame. Where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set. S-E-T. That is a state settled, forever settled in heaven. He's always been God, always will be God. He glorified with the Father's own self where he was before. All that glory he has taken back. Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down with my Father in his throne. For when you get to heaven, you're going to see a man sitting on the right hand of God. You're going to see Jesus Christ sitting on that one throne. If you don't, you will be very disappointed. You will be find yourself in a state of a mistaken identity, thinking you're saved and you're not. You'll find that you have followed a way that seemeth right to a man at the end of the, of the ways of death. We're here for you. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, write to us. DennisBeard.org. Love to hear from you. Somebody said, well, you've got a lot of people coming against you. Yes, of course, the Trinity world is, is angry and the devil is mad because we're preaching the truth. Somebody said, I guess you've got the truth. No, the word's the truth. We're just the messenger that brings it. We pop the rag, shine your shoes, we're your servant. That's all we are. God is God. Let's worship him. Don't worship man. Cease you from man whose breath is in his nostrils. Worship God. Who's that God? Jesus Christ and him alone. There, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. We preach that Jesus only, doctrine of Christ. Who is that Jesus? That first, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, that first man, Adam, was made a living soul. But that second Adam, that man, Christ Jesus, he was made a quickening spirit, small s, white, because that man, son of God, saved you and died for you and shed holy, righteous, blameless blood on that cross. And he saves you through the Son of God, office of the Spirit, which is redemption office, has the blood of God Almighty in it. There you have it. That's the true God and eternal life, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He that is... From everlasting to everlasting, the Almighty God, there's not another. Jesus is the only doctrine of Christ. Christ is the Spirit who is manifest in a body of flesh and blood is Christ. And then glorified back to where he was before, that same Jesus whom you crucified, that man, Christ. God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus said, destroy this temple. Three days I raise it up. Jesus raised up his own body of flesh and blood. There you have questions. Let us hear from you. We'd love to hear from you at DennisBeard.org. And you can email me at Dennis at DennisBeard.org at my email address or contact us at SealingGodsPeople.org. Let's don't miss out on the sealing of the overcomers. The him that overcometh shall eat of the hidden manna. I'll give him a white stone. Where's the new name written? Left hand. Let's get it. Let's obtain it by faith in the name of Jesus. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.